0: Why do people go bald?
1: Why are baboons' bums red? What's a light year? Why do leaves go brown in the autumn? Why do monkeys like bananas? Why do some things glow in Why the Why do dark? animals not understand you? Why do my seats stay after a year?
0: Don't know the answer? <laughs> Ask the Naked Scientists. Hello and
1: welcome to this week's Ask the Naked Scientists with me, Sue Marchant, Dave Ansel, and Chris Smith. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Ah, Sue, hi. Ah, there, we found you then. <laughs> on, on your holes.
0: <laughs> well, you, you could describe it as that, I suppose.
1: All right, now, I know you've, <laughs> I, I know you've got to dash off somewhere, so we've got a couple of um, questions, first of all, to do with health, which we'll ask you. First of all, I'd like to know, is love science or is science love?
0: Well, uh, my love of science is unrequited, but <laughs> it's very difficult to answer that question because it's an emotion and there's no obvious way to model an emotion apart from to ask people about it. But what we do know about love is that people say that it's an attraction between two people and, and that people actually suffer physical symptoms when they're away from each other and they get benefit from being together. And there is a model which has been described in a certain kind of animal, a bank vole actually, which lives in America, and the guy called Larry Young has been looking at this and studying how the brains of these animals vary, and there's two species. There's one that lives um, in the prairies, and there's one called a montane vole, and the ones that live in the prairies tend to be very faithful in love, and they'll fall in love and stay with the same partner for life, but the ones that are the montane voles will actually just mate with anything that moves, and so we wanted to know why this was, and it turns out that there is a difference in the chemicals in a part of the brain, which the same part of the brain that is where we get addicted to drugs. So it looks like um, love is a drug and you can get addicted to it, it. so perhaps Robert Palmer was right all along. But what was really elegant about the study these researchers did is that they found the chemical, it's called AVP or arginine vasopressin, and they found that if they injected it into the brain of the uh, um, the vole that mates with anything, then they can turn this rather loose and and, um, fast and loose vole into a faithful vole. So you never know, there might be a lesson in that for humans too.
1: You were. Well, there we go. All right. Okay. Well, it's interesting that uh, we do get symptoms if we're away from people that we love and benefit when we do. So uh, love, is, love is wonderful stuff, then.
0: It certainly is. And, and what's really interesting is people have done studies on male sperm count. And they found that when a man is returning to a lover after a period of separation, then sperm production and sperm count both go up. So there you go.
1: All right, okay. Well, that doesn't surprise me anyway. But anyway, we'll move swiftly on now. Uh, getting away from the sperm, as we say. We always get on something um, bodily at this time of night. Let's go to our backs now. Um, Ken asks, when you slip a disc, can they fall out? He says he's got two slip discs and both are protruding, and he was hoping to know a little bit more.
0: Okay, well, it's a bit of a myth, this whole thing about slipped discs. It's a sort of a figure of speech. What we refer to as a slipped disc is is a bulge, but it's a bulge which happens in the disc between the vertebral bones and the back. So you have running down your back a number of bones, 31 bones, that make up your spinal column. And between each of them are these intervertebral discs. And they have a fibrous, tough, fairly rigid outside in in a sort of circle. And then in the middle is a jelly-like pulp in the center. And what this makes the disc do is be very good at absorbing shocks and soaking up frictions. So if you jump off of something and and land, say, on your feet on the floor, from jumping from a height, then each of the discs will get squashed a small amount, and this will soak up the energy and impact of the fall and... Then, when you stand up and straighten after the fall, then they bulge out again, and so they're very good shock absorbers. But because they are absorbing shocks all the time, they can weaken, and you can get thinning of this annulus, the circle of fibrous material around the outside, which contains the jelly-like material, and it can eventually herniate or bulge in in one point of weakness and where this often happens is in the backbone there is a a recess or a small gap where the nerves coming out of the spinal cord run out and into the body they form spinal nerves that then run to each part of the body and this is a point of weakness between the bones and if the disc bulges into that hole or that recess it can then trap the nerve against the bone and press on it and this can cause the nerve to dysfunction or stop working properly so you can get numbness but when it's just beginning to happen it can also wind the nerve up especially the pain fibers and you start to feel intense pain and because it's pressing on nerves that supply a discrete part of the body surface the pain that you feel tends to be what's called referred pain or you feel the pain or experience the pain in the part of the body that that nerve supplies which is why with sciatica which is a classic example of a, of a disc problem, the pain is often referred down the back of the patient's leg. And they'll say they feel like they've got electricity running up and down the back of the leg. And that's because that's the distribution, the part of the body supplied by the sciatic nerve. So it's a bit of a myth to say discs slip around and fall out. Uh, normally, it's very, very common actually getting disc problems. But normally, with anti inflammatories and rest, then the problem goes away. In very serious circumstances or where there's actually neurology, you can see that it's affecting the function of nerves quite seriously surgeons can sometimes go in and operate and they do a laminectomy they open up the space in the bone to decompress the nerve and this can be very effective as a way of treating the problem and and people get enormous relief very quickly through that procedure.
1: Right okay I'm sure that's helped Ken so uh, some, uh, some rest for him. Dr. Dave and Dr. Chris. Um, Dr. Dave in the studio, Dr. Chris, way off in Boston or somewhere like that. Is it in Boston you're at?
0: Yes, I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, US, so that's across the Atlantic, a few thousand miles from you. I'm I'm in the Heinz Convention Centre. This is, of course, home of Harvard and the famous Tea Party, but we won't go into that too much in case I upset someone from this country. (laughs) um, I'm I'm looking out actually on snow on the streets at the moment because although it's a a bright sunny day here now, of course, Boston does get very cold. We're waking up to sub-zero temperatures every day and and it has snowed heavily and it rained very hard last night so that the cold snap is hopefully coming to an end but it's certainly chilly at the moment.
1: Mm. All right. Well, poor you then in the snow and that. Now, the other one here before we uh, let you go, a Chinese herbalist gave my wife uh, Jojoba to help her sleep and they seem to have helped where all else have failed. Um, What about uh, Chinese herbs? Um, I think I need
0: a few. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: probably do warm you up. We're nice and warm here, aren't we, Dave? Lovely. Yeah.
0: Well, the the thing about Chinese herbs is that people often forget that of the top ten drugs prescribed to patients in hospitals, a good 30 or 40% of those in the top ten are directly derived from nature. In other words, they're chemicals which have their direct origins in the world you see around you. And, the, and really good examples are things like the ancestor of aspirin, salicylic acid, that comes from willow tree bark, so that's where we got the idea of making aspirin from. Morphine comes from poppies. There are things like colchicine, which is an anti-cancer drug, and it's also used to treat gout. So that comes from the autumn crocus. Donepezil, which we use to treat uh, Alzheimer's disease, that's the name of the drug, galantamine, which comes from daffodils. So it's, uh, all over the place, you see d- drugs coming to us from nature. So in other words, nature has a really quite large and well developed medicine chest which we can exploit if we know how to use it. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest to learn that there might be agents in nature which people have been using for thousands of years because they've discovered that if they take this under certain circumstances, it makes them better. Now, I don't think anyone has actually subjected a lot of these Chinese drugs to proper proper clinical trials. If the the agents that people are trying to take from Chinese medicine were a drug being developed by a pharmaceutical company, it would have to go through huge amounts of testing to show A, that it was safe, and B, that it actually did what it said on the tin. But a lot of these herbal remedies don't have the same, or they're not subject to the same scrutiny. So we we have to be careful how we draw conclusions about them but by no means we should be disparaging about what they can achieve and a really good example, a very contemporary example, is the drug artemisinin which comes from Chinese wormwood or sweet wormwood and it's a drug which has been used for a long time to combat malaria and that's in Chinese literature but it's now actually breaking in big on the world stage because it's so good at combating malaria. So yes, we mustn't underestimate the power of Chinese medicine but I don't think you can at the same time make a case that it definitely will work because a lot of the time we don't actually know how it works because it's not been properly studied
1: So um, again going back to the love theme uh, Chris sometimes it's good if you're with somebody that you love it just makes you feel a whole lot better anyway
0: I think so, and, and never underestimate the power of the placebo effects because up to 30% of the pain-relieving effect of some drugs that, that are supposedly combating pain is directly down to the, the placebo effect. Placebo is a Latin word, which means I will please. So, in other words, just by taking something and doing something, it puts you in a more positive frame of mind, mm. so you automatically feel a bit better. Mm. A downside of these the Chinese herbal remedies is that because they haven't been tested, there are interactions or ways in which they can cross-react with other prescribed drugs. They can They can make other drugs work better, too well sometimes, or worse, and this can have all kinds of consequences for people's health.
1: Sure. All right, well, let's get on to um, radio signals now. Uh, Robert in Peterborough says, why does digital radio signal lag behind an FM signal by a couple of seconds? I think
2: most of the reason for this is that digital radio, the reason why they can get a lot more channels in the same space is that they... Do what's called compression. It's got a little computer in the encoder in the radio station. It looks at looks at the signal, the audio signal and it tries to throw away anything which you couldn't hear. So all the very it'll it'll have already thrown away all the high pitches and the low pitches you can't hear. If there's something very loud going on and something very quiet going on underneath it'll ignore the quiet thing because you couldn't hear that anyway. And this process means you can squeeze quite a lot more channels in the same space which means this is the reason why there's so many more digital radio channels than normal radio channels. But it does take a while for the computer to go through that process and the computer's got to look at a certain amount of audio to be able to do it. So it puts a delay on. at least Two or three seconds. You, you by the time the pips have finished on the F- on an FM signal, just about starting on a digital one, and basically it's just the amount of com- computation it's got to do to compress it to get it in that much smaller space. Okay,
1: um, Peter Spalding says I've seen the measurement parts per million used more and more recently. My question is per million what?
2: It depends what it's in. It basically means if you've got 10 parts per million of some kind of alcohol in water, then that means that 10 grams in every million grams are alcohol and the rest of it's water. So it's basically, if it's in air, then it's 10 grams of, of, I don't know, hydrogen sulphide in every million grams of air. So it's just parts... Per million of whatever the stuff is in.
1: Okay. Well, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? It's just one of those things, isn't it? That says per million. It's a new thing, a new way of measuring stuff. I mean,
2: it, it's, it's quite an old way of measurement, measuring stuff. It's been around for a long time. It's quite a logical way of doing it. Um, I mean, I was per of, million. Per, per million. It's just sort of what, what percentage is yeah. sort of different. It's like a percentage, but for smaller things. So you'd oh, say right. something's 5%. Um, yes. 5% of people. Yeah. I mean, you could say parts per million people. So two parts per million people have green hair and three legs or something yeah
1: the ones you know i know
2: <laughs> fair
1: enough uh now then here's another one here could a rugby ball bounce off the middle stanchion of goal posts like in football
2: i guess he means whereby a football will hit the middle stanchion and then come straight back again and not go in um i think it could but it'd be much more unlikely because all of football's got to do to bounce straight back is to hit the goalposts in exactly the right in the right place, so it's just got to be dead on, dead straight on. It will come straight back. Rugby ball because it's a strange shape. Um, the, right, the only times when it's going to come straight back are either when when the oval is sort of at right angles to the thing it's hitting, so it hits it straight in the middle, um, and then it can, will come straight back. Or if it hits it end on, at any other place it's going to hit it and the ball is going to hit it at a slight angle and it will bounce off in strange directions. So yes, I think it's definitely possible, just a lot more unlikely because of the strange, peculiar shape of rugby balls, I think.
1: Mm. Uh, some time travel now, Dave. Um, Phil has sent an email in. He's saying, "Is time travel possible?" Um, as Stephen Hawking said, he would not bet on it being possible, as someone could come back from the future he could say, "I will take that bet." Does the Einstein's Ufield field theory and folding space time, not to mention particles, open up a new universe that we have no knowledge of? Um, do we just say it's not possible because we do not know yet? How it works. Hang on, this has got to be a... Do you know?
2: Do you? I mean, fundamentally, it's another one of these things that we don't really know. Um, I mean, the whole of science, we don't really know. Um, But according to the equations, which seem to work at the moment, um, the only way you could possibly go back in time would be going faster than speed of light. But in order to do, but to do that is impossible. Um, and there are a couple of other people who've come up with some crazy schemes. So in, w- <laughs> w- in the way in which you could go faster, we sp- uh, could go back in time, and it would involve bending space hugely and somehow joining it back up with some space in the past. And then you could get you go through a hole, and you'd end up back in time. Um, I mean, the fact that we haven't met lots of people coming back from the future. Probably means it's not very easy because otherwise you'd have tourists everywhere and it'd be a rhyme.
1: Excellent. Yeah, it's supposed to be a bit.
2: <laughs> Um So, I mean, that's one evidence that it's the reason why it's relatively unlikely, not necessarily impossible. Um, There have been a couple of people thinking it could conceivably be possible, but there's definitely no evidence for it actually happening, and it would definitely confuse the way the universe works quite a lot. It's not to say that we necessarily understand the universe perfectly, but it doesn't really agree with the way we are understanding the universe at the moment.
1: All right, okay, so time travel then, no, but you never know, it might just happen.
2: (laughs) In one way or another. Indeed. So
1: we don't know then, do we?
2: Well, I mean, we don't know anything. I mean, to be honest, if I pick up (laughs) the pen and let go of it, I don't know if it's going to hit the floor. But it it might not. It might fly upwards, but odds are it's going to hit the floor.
1: I just love that, you see. He just admitted then, we don't know (laughs) Think?
2: <laughs> but we do we do we can be pretty sure about things really 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 quite sure we know that in the last million times it's always hit the ground so odds are the next time it will be
1: all right mary is on the line hello
2: mary hello there how hello now i wondered
1: if you have a blood transfusion um do you get anything of the other person's dna or does yours stay true to it uh, and how is it kept separate
2: Okay, um, DNA is locked up inside every one of your cells. It's basically like an instruction manual on how to build you, and it's sort of got templates for all the sort of building blocks, all the proteins inside your body, and like how they all go together. Um, and so wh- if you get a tr- blood transfusion, which includes cells, there will be DNA in those cells, although no- not in the red blood cells, because um, all, the d- all the DNA is locked up in something called the nucleus, which is a little lump inside the cell. Um, basically, there to store the DNA, um, but in red blood cells, although they have a nucleus when they're created inside your blood ma- marrow, it sort of gets ejected. I think so that, so they can get they sort of strange donut shape, so they have more surface area, so they can absorb more oxygen more easily. Um, and so there won't be any DNA in the red blood cells. There will be some in the white blood cells, which are sort of the, defect, the cells designed to attack any invaders and um, part of your immune system. Right. Um, but, and and that will just stay inside those cells. It can't get out of the cells. Um, and if it did get out of the cells, it would just get mopped up by things, by sort of parts of your body, probably your own white blood cells, and it would just get absorbed. Um, the only way which it could have an effect on you is I mean, it could keep producing, if, if you have a cell which keeps reproducing. Then though that's then the DNA in that then that cell will still have its own DNA, so it will keep reproducing and it will keep there. Right. But I think most of the cell, definitely all the red blood cells don't have any um, DNA in them anyway. And white blood cells are also made inside your blood mar- in your bone marrow. So unless you get a bone marrow transfusion, then the um, white blood cells will just <laughs> stay along until they they get worn out and die naturally.
1: Yes, I just wondered, really, because, you know, they seem to be relying more and more on DNA to solve problems of who's done what. Yeah. Um, And so, to me, it it suddenly struck me as rather important.
2: Yes, you're right. If you did get a blood transfusion, um, some of the DNA in the blood could be from the white blood cells, could conceivably be, um, you could pick up the stuff from the person who gave the transfusion. Yes, you're right. Um, although it wouldn't last for very long, um, yeah. so quite interesting. If you're if you ha- if a woman has a baby, she can actually get some cells from the baby. They actually, I think when the, when she gives birth, the, the cells end up come, getting into into her, and they get sort of wander around her body and sort of lodge. The sort of um, little stem heart stem cells end up in the heart, and other ones end up in the liver, and they've found and that those have obviously got the baby's DNA. That's amazing. And, um, I mean, there's been possibly they may be part of the reason why women... So I think women who've had children may live slightly longer than women who haven't, and that, I think there's a bit of debate as to whether that, that's a health benefit or a health <laughs> <laughs> a good thing or a bad thing, but there's definitely some of them end up lodged, in, lodged around there, so you've got some younger cells kicking around. Oh,
1: that's absolutely amazing, isn't
2: it? It is. It's, I was fascinated when I heard it,
1: certainly. Oh, right. Oh, thank you so
2: much. Cool, thanks.
1: Mary, Thank Mary you. you're so welcome. It's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. It's lovely. All right, enjoy ta- the show. Good. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, good evening to Tony. Hello. Hello, Sue. How are you? Oh, not too bad. What's your question, <laughs> Tony?
2: Well, we see there are billions of stars, which we can see quite a few of them. I just wondered if wireless waves <clears throat> went at the same speed as light. I mean we wouldn't get wireless waves from stars obviously but we might get
0: them from the uh, various uh, earths and things going around them.
2: Um, yes, they, they're, the light and wireless waves, radio waves are all part of the same sort of thing. They're all part of the electromagnetic spectrum. They're all electromagnetic waves and they go at exactly the same speed in a vacuum. Um, in fact we do get um, radio waves from stars and galaxies uh, and things there are big things called radio telescopes which look like huge satellite dishes um, mm-hmm. and you can you can actually connect these together and produce you, you, uh, you don't actually just you produce huge telescopes essentially the size of the earth if you connect en- enough of them together all over the earth you can build a huge telescope essentially the size of the earth They'll actually give us the most detailed pictures of the universe because you can make because the bigger the telescope is, the better the pictures you get. And so they've taken all sorts of interesting pictures of galaxies. You tend to see relatively good looking at relatively cold gas, and there are some strange stars called um, pulsars, which um, they very regularly give out huge bursts of um, radio waves. And they sort of—you can—it's know, almost like this very, very regular heartbeat. Um, and they think they're neutron stars, which are very, very um, old, compressed stars, which um, for some reason are pulsing. Very, uh, say, I think they absorb matter from coming in from around them. And they sort of pulse, giving off these very, very powerful radio waves. Ah. Oh. And.
0: Interesting,
2: but we, we don't get any sensible ones, do we? You know what I mean? Uh, that, uh, pardon my voice, um, uh, you know, that uh, might be uh, sent, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know like picked up anything from aliens. Yeah, aliens, not. that's the word. Although I'm these pulsars, yeah. people did think, for the first person who discovered them, um, she was a scientist here, um, Jocelyn Bell Burnell and she, I think she was very um, confused because she was getting this very regular pulse coming from something out in deep space, and she thought, it was defi- I think there was definitely a, whole, a few thoughts, as possibly it is um, yeah. some kind of aliens, but unfortunately it turned out to be um, a, sp- a spinning star instead. They're still looking for them, aren't
0: right? they? Yeah.
2: yeah, there's something called SETI, called the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which has got a whole lot of radio telescopes pointing out into space, and um, they've Take, take the data in from those, and I think people from, with their computers at home can um, run a little program in the background to analyse this data and try and find, the alien, find alien signals inside it.
1: Wow! <laughs> How <would you>
2: say?
1: <laughs> That's quite something. Tony, it's lovely having you on the, on the show once again.
0: Lovely to speak to you there. You, See you next week.
1: Oh, absolutely. See uh, you then. Okay, bye. 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 Now then, uh, it should be Morris that we've got on the line here. Hello, Morris.
0: Good evening to you. How are you? I'm very well.
1: Jolly good. Now then, what's your question? You're through to Dr. Dave.
0: Now, why is it, and I presume it's not just me, that when you have a dream and you wake up and it's vivid, within seconds it starts to fade and within minutes it's gone?
2: Yeah, what? I mean, that's definitely in effect. I mean, I find it all the time. You actually dream a lot more than you think you do. Right. Um, because basically your sleep, you get when you first go to sleep, you enter a period of very, very deep sleep. Yeah. And then you move into a much lighter period of sleep, and then you have a period something called REM sleep, REM sleep yes. rapid eye movement sleep, yes. and that's when you're actually dreaming, and you, that happens about seven or eight times during the night. Um, during the beginning part of the night, that's a very, very short period, and it gets longer as you get less tired, as it were. Right. Um, it seems, to, I think dreaming's supposed to be quite important with, how you learn, with learning things and setting down new memories. Um, uh, no one quite really understands what's going on but I think we do know that if you get someone and wake them up every time they're about to start dreaming for a period period of time it's very hard for them to learn things Right and so it's it's something to do with setting down long-term memories and making connections between things Right um, and so it's not really... I mean, my only thing would be that it's not really a real... Exp- I don't know the um, the actual sort of chemistry, but biochemistry behind it, Chris, would be better for that. But it w- it's not actually a useful thing for you to remember. It's be- not. Because it's essentially you're imagining. It's, it's it's your brain. It's sort of a byproduct of your brain doing something else. It's sort of your byproduct of you making memories. So um, if you remembered all, all your dreams as vividly as you remembered your daytime... What's happening in the daytime? Then you would. Then you'd get. You'd um, have all these incredible memories about crazy giant worms coming to attack you in the middle of the night, and you'd forget about what you were supposed to be doing tomorrow. Um, so we've obviously evolved some way of not paying attention to, dr- of not actually setting down mem. not not setting down the dreams as memories because it would be very detrimental, and you would get very very confused very quickly. At a thought, it's like a defence mechanism. I think it's because if you didn't have, if you didn't forget the dreams immediately, you'd get incredibly confused. I sometimes get a bit confused as to from a long time ago whether I'm not quite sure whether I dreamt something or whether I actually remember it. Right. And if you remembered dreams as well as you remembered what went on in the daytime, you'd be, it a would bit be confused. It'd be very, very. You would get very, very confused. at I thought. I think we just evolved away. I there's probably some clever biochemistry the trouble is sometimes i enjoy them so i eat a lot of cheese (laughs) when i go to
0: bed because that makes me dream
1: (laughs) i love dreaming it's yeah i'm a bit of a dreamer actually Maurice. i know what you mean yeah
0: they seem very real when you're having them because when you wake up and you just about remember them you think well that's ridiculous
1: yeah do you feel rested though after you've dreamed
0: oh yes yeah 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 It's, it's usually exciting things Oh, good. That's why I like dreaming. (laughs) But you can't guarantee it.
1: (laughs) No, you can't, no. It's a bit of a... (laughs) Now, another one here about uh, watches. If an automatic watch winds down and stops often enough, can this have a detrimental effect on its timekeeping ability? If so, why?
2: Um, I'm not sure whether quite what he means by an automatic watch.
1: Ah, have you not seen an automatic? There are some watches that you can get, um, and it's the movement that actually keeps them wound up.
2: Oh, the, the sort of mechanical yeah. watches, yeah. and you're, they've yeah. got some, yeah, the what, movement some in your, very yeah. clever mechanism in it, and it, yeah. um, you move some weights around, yeah. and, it, and it sort of charges up the spring, it yeah. winds the spring for you. Um, I don't know, I would doubt it would have any major effect. Um, the only thing, if you leave a mechanism still for a long time, you can get sort of a little bit of a build-up of uh, maybe some little bits of deposits on it. Maybe you get a little bit of some plastic in there. We'll, You'll get things all plasticized in plastic. And um, they're, they're, they'll evaporate from the plastic all the time, and maybe they might condense on top of onto the gear wheels. And if you, it was running all the time, it, they just, it would just wear off very um, just as it was running. But maybe if it stopped for several years, then it would, might build up and, and get a little bit sticky. Um, I don't know anything specific, any specific specific reasons why an automatic watch, that kind of watch, would um, have any problems with that. Um, the more accurate modern watches are use, use quartz crystals, which are electronic. I think some of the, um, chi- the, the these kind of watches actually um, charge a, ba- a little battery, and that then is used to um, power the watch. And they use a quartz crystal, which is a little tiny piece of... Actually, quartz so is a little crystal out of the rock. You can find it in most rocks. Um, and it has a tendency to, and you can make it vibrate, and it will vibrate at a very specific frequency. So um, thousands and thousands of times every second, and you have a little tiny piece of electronics which counts all of those vibrations, Mm. and it's very stable with... Over time, it will change slightly with temperature, but you can compensate for that slightly. Um, And this is far more accurate than a mechanical watch, so they can be good for for days or weeks. Mm. Um, You then get more and more sophisticated watches up to the um, atomic clocks, which are using a similar sort of thing, but vibrations in in a a gas of metal atoms, Mm. which can be accurate for billions of years. They'll only lose a second in a billion years, as far as we can tell. You
1: are clever, Doctor Dave. Um, there's a little message here from uh, Rose. He says, um, "You were saying that you forget dreams, but do you find that you remember dreams when someone says something that you re- that reminds you of it? And that is something that's that." That does happen to me, and you think, "Oh, yeah." And so you do get within yeah. that kind of memory phase, and that. So, I think it's a sign. You see, I, that's think, what I
2: think probably. I mean, this is true of all memories, isn't it? You'll you forget if You forget something about your childhood completely, or even I forget things about last week completely. Um, and then all of a sudden, you get you know, someone will say something, and it will come straight back to you. I think it's that's, more, that's just to do with the way your memory works. It's all about making connections, and if you've got one part of memory it tends to know where the rest of it is. And so if you can get sort of one link to it, then you'll find out the re- about the rest of it.
1: That's it for this week. Our doctors will be back with me next week for more Ask the Naked Scientist. But don't forget you can also catch them on the Naked Scientist podcast, which you can find on the Naked Scientist website, www.nakedscientist.com.
0: The Naked Scientists are sponsored by The Welcome Trust, the EPSRC and UK Fast. For more information... Look us up online at nakedscientists.com